Hi from the Sonora Desert in Tucson, Arizona. We're going to bring on board Alan Watt now. He's been on, <clears throat> been on a number of radio shows lately, including Coast to Coast Sam with George Norrie, the Kevin Smith Show, Greg Szymanski's show on Republic Network, uh, the Raleigh James Show. You can hear her show on XM Satellite Radio. He's been on the Discovery Channel talking about weather modification. And you can hear him every Wednesday night on Jackie Petru's Sweet Liberty broadcast on Worldwide First Amendment Radio. That's WWFAR.com. He's been on Radio Free America with Rick Adams on the Republic Network. And he was also on Out There TV recently. Um, I didn't get a chance to get a bio from him, so I'm just going to bring him on board. Hello, Alan. Welcome to the show. That's a pleasure to be here. I have a few questions here I want to ask you tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, um, can you please tell us something about how our master religions were created? Were they created to enslave us with endless wars and death, and were they created by the Zionist hierarchy? Uh, they were definitely created, I think, for control. There's no doubt all religions have to do with control and standardizing the thoughts of a population. Uh, and it's pre-Christian, pre-Judaic. It goes back into the myths of history. And I've no doubt it was pre-Sumerian as well. Uh, I think this technique of mind control is absolutely ancient. We'll never get to the bottom of it. But it, it's all to do with sciences of the mind. And uh, and the thing is, the odd thing, when you go into history, uh, see, we're taught uh, from early childhood that everything just happens by almost stumbling towards something. And they call it progress. But in reality, when you go back, you, you find, my goodness, they knew where we were heading. Someone shaped this direction. And, and the end product has actually been written about hundreds of years ago as to where they wanted to, to bring humanity. So that's the startling part is when you realize that through secret organizations, um, uh, we've been guided along a particular path of thinking. And we're almost at the completion of, of this phase of it now. Uh, did the Zionist hierarchy write the book of Revelation to, to be a blueprint for world takeover, and did they also write the Bible? I don't think the Zionists, we've called it that at that time. I think it was definitely, a, at that time, it would be more of a Gnostic, uh, or whoever took over the Gnostic. Uh, the early Gnostics were a bit different, but it was taken over very quickly into a, a traditional format. And um, it, they wrote in mystical language, so deliberately obscuring um, the, the esoteric meaning, uh, which is all to do with the zodiac and so on, um, and a timetable as well, leading up to the age of Aquarius. And, and even wrote it in. You see, the, the Bible and the New Testament is written in an esoteric and exoteric fashion. And you even find in, in the New Testament where Jesus is, tells his disciples to go off and find the colt and it'd be by a, a man with a pitcher of water. Well, that was that was Aquarius. And so at the time of the age of Aquarius, that would be the end of this rule, you see. That's what it meant. And this was known thousands of years ago. Well, did the Zionist hierarchy control the Vatican? Um, I, I, I think even Zionism is above Zionism. Uh, Zionism is only one lower branch of this whole world structure. You, you'll find the brotherhood, um, if you truly understand the higher meanings of things, uh, the brotherhood have their men in, in control of the Muslim world, uh, the Buddhist world, uh, 
um, Christian, Jewish, all of them as one big brotherhood at the top. Uh, and, and each each one plays his role, uh, having uh, the people beneath them fight each other. That's how they've kept control all down through the ages. So you must know Jordan Maxwell then, because he really gets into the deeper meanings of this stuff. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard of him, yeah. Mm-hmm. Does the Zionist hierarchy control the planet? Uh, Zion, yet understand the meaning of, of uh, the higher meaning of Zion. Uh, Zion, uh, as I say, pre-existed Judaism and has been called many things. And in the ancient languages, they'd often take the first two letters of, of words, of two different words, and put them together. And it's the same with Isis, Ra'el, Israel. Uh, it's the same with um, Sion, because Sion, S-I, was the first two letters in Aramaic for the moon. And On was the phallic symbol of the male. So it's the same thing again. It's this uh, the, uh, hermaphroditic type figure, the male and female powers bringing heaven and earth together. Well, I do definitely know that they are redefining the vocabulary. Oh, always, always, yeah. Where did the Torah come from? Is this the supreme law to be obeyed, or is this just another religion? Um, I was watching a program on public broadcasting just to the, uh, on Sunday, and as a rabbi brought out another book explaining modern Judaism, and what he said was, uh, it's probably pretty generalized throughout Judaism, uh, he said himself that there's a collection of myths of uh, not only a Jewish people but many other peoples collected into one book. Uh, and of course, he said, you don't throw the baby out with the bad water. The bad water. You take the good parts and, and uh, hang on to them you know, rather than discard the whole lot. So they tend to look upon it as a, a book of foundation myths, as they call them. Now, every religion has its foundation myth. So this is this is this is not the supreme law to be obeyed, I know. Uh, no, uh, it's not. I mean, it's so odd, really, to give to Christianity just one one uh, set of values from a religion which had many more uh, rules and laws and commandments, uh, many more than the Ten Commandments. It's, it's very odd that was kept. I think that was kept deliberately uh, by the Vatican from the people. Okay, well, these are questions a friend of mine wanted me to ask you for the show tonight. I'm not really into religion because I know it's a form of mind control being mm. used on the population. Yeah. I'm, I'm so fortunate I'm not a victim of it. <laughs> yes, uh, people ask me that all the time, and I say, well, if you, if you take a religion, you put yourself in a pigeonhole, which means you've only got one view of the world, and that's from the entrance. It's like Plato's cave. It blinds you from seeing the overall picture. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Now, we know the name Jesus Christ comes from Yazus and that Christos is a title. Is there any truth that the great healer and teacher of the first century, Apollonius of Tyana, who lived to be in his 90s, is really the true so-called Jesus of the New Testament? Uh, there are many people you could take it from because the Jesus of the New Testament had been used before in, pre- in different times and eras. In fact, the Gnostics claimed that the, 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 the person, you might say the person of Jesus, was an imaginary perfection which each Gnostic member tried to attain, and they accused Constantine of stealing their religion. So, so Jesus Christ was a, a goal to be aspired to by the individual follower. Well, 
Um, now, um, did um, you know about weather modification? I, I've been mentioning weather modification on my show lately. I, I, I stumbled upon an article here last year that the space shuttles are being used in weather modification. Can you tell our audience more about that? Okay. The, yeah, weather modification is nothing new, number one. You'll find different patents uh, to do with weather modification going back to the 1950s. And I think the stuff they're using now with the aluminum oxide and the barium was actually mentioned by Hellier back in the 50s. And he's the guy who's credited with bringing forth the H-bomb. And he said they could douse the atmosphere with uh, metallic particles, especially aluminum oxide. And Is that where they sprinkle sodium iodide out of an airplane? Uh, it's not as so much sodium iodide. Um, what they really want is uh, metallic particles, like the aluminum particles and, and the barium uh, particles. Uh, these are metallic salts, and these are then used with electromagnetic pulses from the different heart stations, and there's over 50 of them worldwide. There's over 50 of them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. the one day I was listening to Steve Quayle's Q-Files show, he said there's like 12 or 13 of them. Uh, back uh, about 10 years ago, there was an admission that was around 54. Wow. Yeah, and uh, they're worldwide. Um, we know the Chinese have them, the, the, the Russians had them. Um, so they're all, and they have portable ones as well. They can set up in fields. Uh, the Army has them as well. Uh, so. Professor James McCanny, have you ever heard of him? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, he's in Minnesota. He he worked with Russian atmospheric scientists back in the mid-90s and actually developed the technology whereby the military could alleviate these uh, hurricanes from mm -hmm. the, the coastline. Well, now McCanny says that the technology he gave the Russians are, was given to the Air Force, and the Air Force is using it against us now, mm -hmm. and it was used... Uh, during Hurricane Katrina, and guess what? George Bush was sitting in NORAD, um, the North American Aerospace Defense Command headquarters in Colorado Springs, inside that mountain where they control these Air Force weather satellites out of. Yeah, I mean, well, nothing surprises me because back in the 70s, the U.S. signed a treaty uh, with the United Nations. Yeah, 31 slash 72. Yeah, so it's all what, what they can do with just the harp alone, with, with the pulsations, earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, is actually signed into treaties. Now, they wouldn't sign it into a treaty unless they could use them and had them working. And also, what you'll find with any treaty in the UN, um, they can use it upon their own people. They're simply not allowed to use it in warfare against other peoples. Yeah, uh, Jim McCanny was on Frank Whalen's show one day, and he says he, he studied that United Nations General Assembly resolution we're talking about, and he said it can be used against other countries. It can be used against other, or he said it can be used against us, but not other countries. That's, That's right. That's right. And it's the same uh, with internal policing. Uh, the military or police can use... Um, hollow point bullets on their own citizenry but they're not allowed to use it in warfare against another nation they got to use a full metal jacket wow. so that's pretty standard but but uh, the star wars program too has all been forgotten yeah and there was trillions of dollars spent on putting these big huge battle satellites up in space which can be arrayed and uh, they can actually pulse together 
um, and I'm sure it's been used in conjunction with the harp stations. Uh, and so they're so far ahead with this technology, it, it boggles the mind. Do you think Project Harp had something to do with bringing down the space shuttle Columbia in 2003? Something did. Uh, I think something did. There were too many occultic ties, apparently, to the date and the time um, to, to do with that. So something definitely did. Yeah. And we do know that there's been other incidences where aircraft um, have been brought down with some kind of um, either a laser beam or something. Yeah. But when you think about these satellites, they were designed, a lot of them, to fire um, laser beams and destroy other satellites and hit Earth targets.
and um, in that book uh, they talk about uh, the merger of communism and capitalism that's the third way but in the book he also says Topper says the world we are creating will be a vegetarian one and it must be so well when I when you look back in, in the 70s I, I I can substantiate that I heard in Chris Gurner's show um, when he used to be on it, a part of Agenda 21 is that uh, they'll ban all meat in, in the future yes and so that's really what a lot of what I've been doing I think is terrifying the public um, first it was it was ocean fish back in the 70s that started to get this kind of strange fungus appearing on them especially salmon um, that created a kerfuffle uh, then we had the mad cow disease, so there's your beef getting attacked. Now they're going for the poultry. Uh, this is no coincidence. This is no how, coincidence at all. How long has bad, mad cow disease been in the United States? Uh, we'll never really know, but I, uh, what is interesting is, is um, a book called uh, Deadly Allies. And the subtitle, I think, is Canada's uh, role in, in World War II with bacterial warfare. Canada led the world in bacterial and viral warfare in World War II. And uh, reading that book, there's a lot of declassified information in it from the government. And um, one of them mentioned, one of these declassified documents mentioned a disease that Mr. Banting, the, the guy who's credited with giving us uh, uh, insulin for diabetics, he worked for that Department of Warfare, and uh, he had it some, developed something which would literally cause holes, bore holes through the, the brains of cattle, and, it, and he wanted to put it across all of Germany and kill all of their, their livestock. And that seems like the same darn thing as mad cow disease. Um, on a different issue now, um, what is your uh, opinion about earthquake weapons? Do you think those are real? Oh, they are real. Yeah, again, that's part of the treaty at the UN that didn't cause earthquakes. Uh, so there's nothing really new about that at all. I got an article here. Uh, former Defense Secretary William Cohen at a Department of Defense news briefing in 1997. He says that they can alter the climate, set off earthquakes and volcanoes routinely through mm -hmm. the use of electromagnetic waves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's nothing new there at all. Uh, this is old stuff. Um, a lot of people listening to my show are, are, are wrestling fans, and a lot of them have never probably heard of this. That's why I'm discussing all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they have the, 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 the capabilities to bring on all of these disasters uh, scientifically. And all they have to do is deny it uh, until maybe 50 years down the road. That's generally okay. when they admit it, you know. You bet. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, I, I was trying to dig something out here. Um, I cannot find anything on this on the Internet. Maybe you can help me with this. Um, Zbigniew Brzezinski, he wrote the forward to the government trade paper entitled The Weather is a Weapon of War. Mm -hmm. Now, this ain't the book um, Between Two Ages. This is a trade paper. Have you ever heard of this? I have heard. He's, he's actually mentioned this apparently in a few different articles. Uh, that the yeah, weather would be modification would be a warfare technique in the future, yeah, and that certainly was his area of speciality. It was 
it was um his what it was? yeah technotronic warfare was his speciality see these these um electromagnetic pulses not only can cause all of the effects we've mentioned but they can also affect the human brain the mind right and and uh he was right into that because that is where they're all going is ultimately controlling every single individual emotionally and otherwise and they can do that by attaching a secondary signal to the heart wave uh, which is within the, the same frequency as the human brain and we will pick that up and uh, they found the easiest thing to do was to make you either depressed or elated they can make you aggressive or passive, depends on the particular frequency they use. And this is old stuff. Yeah, it's all old to me too, but I'm, I'm just, I like to mention it on my show because there's a lot of people that probably never heard of it. So. Well, on the shortwave radio now, um, when you scan the bands, you'll, you'll pick up harp frequency 24 hours a day now. Because for the last four years, they've been beaming it 24 hours a day. Jerry Smith says that construction was finally completed like three or four months ago on it. Oh, they've had it for, for, for ages, donkey's years. Yeah. In fact, I think eight months ago, or maybe, I, no, it was a couple of years ago, uh, or more, the CBC in Canada, the, the television, the, the national TV, did a documentary on the Alaskan facility on the Wendy Mesler show, and they showed you the aerial photographs of this place. Right, I, I know they've had it for 10 years, but uh, Jerry Smith says the construction was finally completed on it a few months ago. Now, whatever they tell us they're doing is old stuff, the planet. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. Always, always, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. this is all ancient, I know. Uh -huh. um, this is from Jordan Maxwell's website. He's got something called the British-Israel World Federation Movement there. Yeah. They have a Destiny magazine um, that has an article that 9-11 was uh, planned as far back as, like, 1930. Uh, what, what do you think of that? Uh, nothing would surprise me. <laughs> really, nothing would surprise me. Because you, I found out that the world is, is always planned centuries ahead. And one of the clues of that is just studying history. You, you'll find that Britain, for instance... Um, if they looked at India or Africa, they would put into an effect a hundred year plan of how to take it over. Uh, and, uh, then you look at the, the communist regimes, they had five year plans for one part, twenty for another, fifty for another, hundred year plans for another part. They did exactly the same thing. And when you look at the United Nations agenda, they're also working with the same techniques. And that's what they've always been doing. They, they plan things so far ahead, it staggers the mind. Yeah. Well, um, so, um, Chris Gerner, a friend of mine, he used to do a, a talk show on satellite internet and shortwave, but he's, he's no longer on the air. Uh -huh. He, um, unfortunately, he suffered a nervous breakdown because he got so fed up with people not you know, waking up. Uh-huh, yeah. He, um, he told me I need to discuss Agenda 21 on my show a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Can you tell our audience more about that? Yeah, again, that was the, the United Nations agenda for the 21st century. And it's a, a process leading to total, total, and I mean total control of every individual on the planet. Uh, the shepherding off of peoples from a post-industrial age into uh, habitat areas, uh, habitat for humanity stuff for the UN, and um, and literally no private property, 
So uh, is this what they accomplished with Hurricane Katrina? Uh, that was definitely what you saw there. They, they did the urban renewal. They cleared off the, the what they call the useless eaters, the welfare people. That's what they call them. They cleared them out of there and put them all over the country. Um, many of the people can't, who own their homes can't uh, go back because the insurance companies will not, and FEMA's only insurer, by the way, they will not reinsure the construction of those homes in the same place. So this was definitely an urban renewal. And it's interesting that the United Nations even had that part of Louisiana down as, as a back-to-swampland area with a much smaller uh, um, main, main city, New Orleans. Yeah, and then, and then they brought eminent domain in there too. Yes, and so that's, a, again, the weather is used to, to, uh, to foment this agenda. And another part of it, too, is the comical way, in a sense, the cabaret, which the big boys love to name things, because in this high occultic system, they have a tongue-in-cheek joke with everything they do. And if you notice where the hurricane came in, and it, and it knocked down the bridge, the big bridge that Chateaurain, uh, of course they say it's Pont, the French Chateaurain, which is a, the bridge of Catherine. That's where it's centered over, you know. So they even named the, the, the thing after with their target. Wow, I didn't hear, never heard of that yet. That's interesting. Yeah. And in the second one that came in at Dallas, you'll find the name of the hurricane about 20 miles south of Dallas. You mean Rita? Yeah. Yeah. Suvita is just south of Dallas. Yeah. It was uh, uh, actually Houston here. Uh-huh. So, so they actually name it after their t- uh, an area within the target. Wow, interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you think the levees were intentionally exploded um, when that hurricane after the hurricane hit? Yeah, there's been too much uh, uh, talk about it. Um, people saw uh, people moving uh, in, uh, putting charges there, and, and and even the people I know who are in constant contact with me from the area said that the hurricane was over. It was gone. Then the levees blew. Yeah, it blew uh, later in the afternoon that yeah, day, right? That's right. And I think yeah, it was the... all pre-planned. It's all engineered. Yeah, well, the, the um, I think it was the chief uh, engineer for the Department of Engineers, the military, uh, was, was explained. He says, look at these the, these ruptures. He says, these were blown. He says, my, my expertise is explosives. He says, look at the sites of these. These were definitely blown. Yeah. Yeah, I have the article on that where the people went underwater and they found explosive uh, residue on the, mm-hmm. on the levees. Yeah. So what else do you really need? Uh, it's interesting they put a movie out about that very uh, place being evacuated about uh, eight years or so prior to that, one of these disaster movies. And it was funded at the end by the World Wildlife Fund and the, all the big, the big boys. And the whole message of this psychodrama was uh, mankind had brought this on himself by causing global warming. And you saw these millions of people supposedly moving northward and leaving that area back to the swampland again. So they even show you in the movies where they're going. Yeah, I, I don't I don't pay attention much to the global warming thing. I think that's just a demonization campaign to keep us focused on thinking global warming's involved in it all. Yeah, yeah, I know. Back in the 60s, the UN had decided it would be global freezing, and they had some of their front men write books about it. And then when they realized it was easier to warm the planet by spraying it, um, they changed it. The same office came out with books on global warming. 
And of course, if you look at the billions of particles of aluminum oxide, they're like tiny mirrors, and, and they literally bounce the light back and forth billions of times. So they're keeping the heat in instead of letting it escape. They're now, causing it, yeah. Yeah, a lot of you folks might not know, but Alan's up in Canada. You're in Ontario, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you guys get tornadoes around there? Uh, yeah, south of me, uh, there's occasional tornadoes. Uh-huh. Do they, do they seem to be getting worse every year up around there? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah they, my friends that live in Wisconsin, they're saying the same thing. The skies look spookier and spooky every yeah. year there. Yeah, I've watched them bring a storm on, and there's a certain pattern they do when they're spraying, and an intensity that, that speeded up. There's more planes in the sky, and uh, they really muddy it up quickly, and sure enough, in that night there'll be a storm, so they can bring it on, yeah. So my friend, uh, they, there was a hurricane that came out of the middle of nowhere and hit uh, Hartford, Wisconsin here about a week ago, and 150 homes were destroyed, and my friend heard it on the news that it came out of the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, now, too, I think it was two or three years ago, I don't remember in the newspapers, uh, they brought out scientists the day after to, to explain to the, the poor masses, you see, uh, that there must have been meteorites that exploded in the sky all the way from Vancouver right down to Washington. Uh, and um, it was so powerful, these explosions, that car alarms in the cities and towns were being set off. And, and sure enough, there's a, a flurry of these specialists on the next day telling us not to worry. It was just an, uh, an, an anomaly. We didn't know exactly what kind of meteorites they were, but that's all that they were. Well, one week later in Australia, the same thing happened there. And that's when it hit me. They're using the harp-type technologies to superheat the atmosphere. They can actually pick a part of the atmosphere or the sky, superheat it, and it will literally explode. And that's why Tesla stopped using the standing wave technology. He was afraid, he said. He said we could superheat the atmosphere to such an extent uh, the atmosphere could ignite. Yeah, I read an article on my show when I was first starting to do my shows here that um, that uh, technology derived from Nikola Tesla is what actually brought down the shuttle Columbia over Texas. It's possible. They're so far ahead with their weaponry, and you won't read about that in popular science magazines. That's to keep us in the past. Yeah. You know, and uh, <clears throat> I was working under a truck back in uh, 98, I think it was, in the summertime. And I saw a strobe type effect all around me, and and I and I thought, geez, I've been under this truck too long here in the heat. So I stood up, and sure enough, I could still see this strobish light and hear it too. I went into the indoors. I turned on the radio. I could hear this this woo 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 sound on the radio. The television showed the streak across it coinciding with the sound, and then that's when I realized they were using some, some kind of either satellite technology to bombard us or the harp-type technology. But that night, I had calls from, uh, from people even in Texas and Carolina and Ohio and, and other ones in Ontario who'd also witnessed it. And some of them described it like a strobe gun on, on a camera going off in your eyes. That's exactly how it was. Now, that was a big territory to cover, which makes me think it was arrays of satellites that were testing this stuff out. But it broke in from the sun spectrum into the visible spectrum. So 
So we're the last to know what they're up to. Yeah, most definitely. Mm-hmm. What, um, what is your opinion about um, the the stuff on with 9/11 being an inside job? Well, why why even discuss it? It was a must be. They couldn't have any, they couldn't have got any of this agenda through without it. And they had the agenda planned for the Middle East with the new American century. So obviously it was an inside job. Yeah. yeah. Well, why was it an inside job, Alan? <clears throat> well, uh, number one, they, they were ready to go into Afghanistan. We know there was already U.S. troops on the borders there. We know that they mentioned it, the new American century, the plan, the club. To, to basically start with Afghanistan, then move on to Iraq and Iran, and then Syria, you know. And uh, they could not have began it all without it, and yet they must have known it was going to happen to have troops ready to go into Afghanistan. They, they had to have it happen. It was a must-be. So based upon an article I read on Renz.com, Jeff Renz's website, um, the President Bush actually declared war in Iran um, March 13th of this year. They just haven't publicly told the people yet. Yeah, I know even in the European news that they've been, they mentioned that there's been skirmishes on the border with American incursions into the border of Iran trying to get it going, you know, for, for about six months or more. Yeah. Yeah, we have to depend on foreign news to, to learn what's going on, too. Yeah, but see, this is a must-be. Um, as I say, in the high Masonic circles, they make a plan, it's a must-be, and nothing is going to stand in its way. And it's nothing to do, really, with what we think it is. There's always a much deeper plan. Uh, Professor Carl Quigley, uh, in his book, Tragedy and Hope, said that... Uh, War is not just to defeat an enemy. It, it, you can get more done at home, uh, more changes in a, in a social way uh, in five years of war than 50 years of peace because the government takes over so many institutions. And out of this whole new world order has become a whole new world order for everybody. And it's not going to be America free or anything. It's an amalgamated Americas with a whole new set of values and work ethics and rules and regulations. That's what's to come out of it. Dad, uh, Daddy Bush had mentioned his support of a new world order 162 times during his presidency. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of this stuff's old news to me, too, Alan, mm-hmm. but... I am the host of the light of day. It's my mission as a light worker here to awaken the vast herds of sheep out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I keep telling people we're just living through a script that was written before we were even born. Every major event is pre-planned and uh, and calculated, and the effects. We see. We only see the general public always sees the immediate effects. Oh, we we beat this enemy, and we can go back to sleep and and, and playing or watching video games or whatever. Um, and it's nothing to do with that. This is uh, this is to bring in uh, a world government with three main trading blocks, like Karl Marx said in Das Kapital. In the 1800s, he mentioned that there'd be a United Europe, a United Americas, and, and the, the, the Far Eastern trading bloc, all under a super world government. And that's what we're living through right now. Uh, and it doesn't matter which party you, you, you vote in, the same agenda goes on unimpeded. Well, somebody like me, I would be considered an outcast in my family because of my beliefs. Um, my dad, who I 
you know, I tell him about a lot of this stuff, and he'll say something like, oh, there's nothing you can do about it, Sheldon. What, what would you tell somebody like that? Well, I, I always tell him there's nothing you can do about it because, because they're not willing to face it as it really, really is. Um, doing nothing and even saying nothing means you're acquiescing legally to what's happening. That's right, folks. You're consenting to it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they need is the acceptance of the public by their silence. And it's a legality. And you can't ever come back and say, well, geez, you know, we didn't warn you this was going to happen. Uh, we do know what's coming along. And our silence really is our problem. Most people hope to get through their life and that nothing much will change immediately around them as an individual. Uh, they're not connected with other people. That's their problem. And, of course, uh, they don't realize that, you no, know, this is going to affect every single person. Whether you stand up or, or sit down makes no difference. And they, and they use a technique called gradualism to bring things in gradually. That yeah. way it doesn't affect us too much where we would be totally outraged about it. Yeah, in fact, in the schools now, they're turning out uh, uh, children who are ready for global government. They've been taught it in school. They've been taught it from kindergarten onwards that this is a natural thing. And um, so, yeah, so know, they always... I, uh, I have a, a, a 15-year-old girl that lives with me, and I can tell she's a good little Marxist socialist slave already to the system because mm -hmm. she goes to a school where it's a government brainwashing school is what it is. Yes. And you see, if... Now, here's the thing, too, if there were no nations created in the first place, because this is an ancient history we're dealing with here, the same people who gave us nations, who gave us borders, um, and used those borders to maintain their superiority in government or, or powerful positions to protect you from those guys over there, the same descended families uh, have now going into the next, they're going to the next phase where they're taking those borders down. Um, I have no doubt at all if the world had been left to itself for thousands of years, uh, you, you wouldn't have uh, countries or borders anyway. But the technique that they're using is a system. It's not a, a natural evolution of society. It's a guided, directed system towards a definite goal of, of literally a scientific-type dictatorship running our lives. And I've stated in many documents, um, H.G. Wells wrote one of them, uh, that the big um, 18th century, John Stuart Mills, who was an economist for the British government and many big corporations, they said that in the future that people would be born to serve the state, the world state they were talking about. And, and uh, you wouldn't be born at all if there was no function for you. That's the system they're bringing in. I don't know how they are with vaccinations in the public school systems in Canada, but do they force every child to get a vaccination, or is there, do they have waiver forms up there? It's the same as the states. I believe, you, you, well, I know you can uh, uh, simply argue with them, and you'll find out they don't have uh, such law as such. They pretend that they do, but I do know people who've argued successfully. And um, what the interesting thing was, I mean, one fellow I know, both his daughters are married. They both had children before. They had what they call the usual childhood uh, problems with the, the runny noses, the sore throats, the, the sore ears. 
the one child that he convinced, the last one that he convinced not to have the inoculation is the only child with no, none of these so-called childhood problems. So the normal childhood problems are brought on by the vaccinations. That's right, and a lot of times they won't show up in, until you're you know, either in a, a teenager or an adult. Yeah, they're time sequenced a lot of these uh, diseases, um, and they can be actually set like a trigger to go off when you go for a booster shot, for instance. Uh, that's how how fine they are. Right, that's because one of the things they're after these these people running the planet. They're after our DNA. Well, I, 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 I thought it was a joke at first when George Bush had uh, uh, demanded that everybody in Washington, D.C. has an AIDS test. Because oh, you mean a mental evaluation? Uh, this is an AIDS test for, for, for AIDS, you know. Oh. He wants to make it mandatory. <clears throat> and it's because they have the highest level per capita of AIDS. And uh, I thought, well, and they want to do it by giving you a swab, a cheek swab, which is the same method they do use for taking your DNA. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll fulfill two two things with one 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 stroke. I do remember hearing when Clinton Clinton was in office that uh, he had he had uh, AIDS, AIDS tainted blood shipped into our country. Uh, it was a scandal in Canada here because. Because, yeah, he had signed a deal with some of the, the private prisons in the U.S. Uh, that they could um, take prisoners' blood and sell it to Canada as well. And the, so they the, wanted to and spread it into Canada. Well, they, you know, they killed off most of the hemophiliacs in Canada because okay. they, they used all those the blood products from that blood. And for about 10 years or more, the court case went on forever until most of them died off, of course. That's why they make these things drag out so long. But it was all over the papers here for years. Um, they gave them hepatitis C and different uh, uh, diseases uh, from that tainted blood. They knew it was tainted in the very beginning. And I think the company in Canada that, that imported it, who, who bought it, uh, was... Um, uh, set up during World War II, and its main job at that time was uh, bacterial warfare projects. Interesting, and now into the blood supply. Yeah. Uh, well, I keep talking. I can't think of anything right now. Well, this is the, this is the real world we're living in, you know. And the, the CBC did a documentary on the, this, the, the trail of this tainted blood all the way from the States to here, as you say, signed by Clinton. And uh, they did know what was going on. They did know this stuff was contaminated. And um, the, the, the man in Canada, the purchaser, was stopped by the interviewer on the steps to his company in, in Canada here, Ontario. And when he was confronted with, with buying this, this diseased blood, he said, well, it's his business is business. That was his answer. Thousands of hemophiliacs ended up dying. I did read some here at the beginning of my show. It has to do with an article that's from Al Cuppet. Have you ever heard of him? No, I don't think so. Well, um, it has to do with United Nations black operations cremation trucks and platoons now operating in western United States. They're actually going to pick people up on what they call a red list in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. They're creeped um, Two of these fleets of 18-wheelers that were headed, originated out of Montana, and uh, the other was New Mexico. They were headed towards the Canadian border, and 
they were picking up detainees from the red list and uh, cremating their bodies inside the 18-wheelers. Hmm. I just got this from another talk show host here on this website that I'm on. Mm-hmm. This is dated seven days ago. Just wondering if you have heard heard of that at all. I haven't heard of that. Uh, what I do know is that they had portable crematoriums that went into um, to New Orleans, uh, to, to, uh, into New Orleans, and I do know that the FEMA had uh, tractor trailers set up for this very purpose. You know, yeah. when they. Well, um, yeah, it brings up the thing about FEMA. You know, they're going to stage a, a bird flu, uh, uh, um, what do you call it, a pandemic here in the United States. Do you, um, do you think they're going to, they're going to end up putting people in what, with these concentration camps if this, this thing goes through? Uh, I, I've no doubt that they're, they're planning it because in about 1995, uh, across Canada, maybe in the States too, in 95, before 9-11, after the Cold War and all the rest of it and the Berlin Wall was down, suddenly they had these uh, uh, amalgamated uh, um, emergency response practices in, in towns all over the country. And I saw one in my old town, a small potato town, and they had the cops and military and the ambulances there and people dressed up as they had accidents and, and a car that was supposed to have a bomb in it. I said, well, what's going on? You know, nothing in the world was happening at that time, nothing major. Oh, yeah, Bill Cooper used to talk about that on his show. They're called uh, Ur- Urban Warfare Military Training Exercises. Yeah, and to the public, they, they said it was disaster prevention uh, techniques, and then they showed you this array of, of bureaucracies that had been set up across the country, country suddenly. They never had them during the Cold War. Uh, and now they were all uh, um, up and active right down to your local level. So I knew something was planned from then on. And then, of course, Maggie Thatcher, when she was Prime Minister, just after she was Prime Minister, she came to Canada and gave a speech in Massey Hall, Toronto. And the title of her speech was called The New World Order. And she spoke there. Um, about the coming war on religious fundamentalism, uh, probably beginning in the Middle East. So I knew with, with her speech, and then a few years later, these strange practices in towns to do with disasters, I knew that we're going to war with the Middle East. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, now we're going to go into Iran and Syria next, it sounds like. Well, for a global system, a global government, you, you must have everybody in the same system of what is called democracy, which means that they have a central bank connected to the international bank for borrowing, um, and they have the same uh, bureaucratic levels to do with farming and, and everything all the way up as they do in every other country, which is all under the United Nations, um, because you can't have anybody going their own way anymore. They must all become standardized. The whole planet is being standardized. Well, I know we're not living under democracy here. I, I would call it corporate fascism. Well, it is, but then democracy always was. Uh, it's very hard to find a fixed definition of democracy because it's always been elastic. Always. 
uh, changing in, in other words. Yes, I mean, the democracy of the 1700s or 18th century uh, is nothing like the democracy of, of the, the 19th century or the 20th century, and it's still evolving. It's, it's still going on to its next phase, but really the, the fascists have always been at the top of democracy. Yeah. But they need the left wing as well because they must have comp they must have an apparent uh, opposition. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I don't buy into is the political spectrum, the uh -huh. left wing, right wing, and all that. It's a show. We're either American or we're not. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a show for the public because they found out in the 1800s that the people would eventually rebel when they were overtaxed, overburdened. Uh, too many wars on the go, pressed into armies, etc. They knew that the people would eventually rebel, and they knew it would, it would come around every four or five years, so they decided to give you democracy and the vote. That way, when it gets bad, you think, well, we can always vote this present bunch out. And that's what we do in democracy. We don't really vote a new bunch in. Uh, we vote the last bunch out. Well, like Bill Cooper used to say, it's all going to lead to one thing, a one-world totalitarian socialist government. Well, even Plato, I mean, see, this has all been done before. Uh, the ancient Greeks had gone through all of these different systems. And, um, and democracy always led to, to dictatorship. Always. And uh, it's inevitable that that's the way it goes because you put so much power, so many bureaucratic uh, levels under one person eventually that he becomes dictator or she. Yeah. I did want to mention that, uh, that Al Cuppet guy that talked about the Red List pickups, he, he was actually a, he's a retired um, U.S. Army in action officer with the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Uh-huh, yeah. So he has pretty high credentials. Well, I know that even Bill Cooper did a, a, a talk once on the railways that had been set up at Junction yeah, Point. Thompson at one time. They talked about a, yeah, a place like that in Indianapolis. Uh-huh. And it was the same thing. Parts of the platform were painted blue, some green, some red, and, and everyone is color-coded. And we're all on color codes already because they listen to every telephone call you make and they watch everybody's computer. And so they know that they have personality profiles on every single individual. Yeah. And we, we are definitely color coded. Yeah. Is there a such thing as a green list? My friend in UFO Bob in Wisconsin, he says there's a, there's a red list, a blue list, and mm. a green list. Yeah, the green ones probably mean you're successfully lobotomized. There are no threat to anybody. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. And uh, that's another thing with inoculations. Um, people should read the book by Arthur Kostler. Uh, it's called The Ghost in the Machine. Now, Arthur Kostler was an incredibly interesting guy because he worked for Stalin for a period. He was an officer in the Red Army. He He helped oversee the starvation in Hungary of millions of people and he believed it was the right thing to do was to starve them to death under what he called historical necessity and uh, then he came to the US became a professor and he worked in some universities in, in New York and then he worked for the United Nations on finding ways to bring world peace by by, by finding ways to lobotomize that part of the brain in every individual that gave you your, your ability to perceive as a, as a separate individual 
thinking entity and he said we can target that part of the brain he says chemically um, or through biological techniques our only problem is to put it in their food to inject them with it or spray it from the skies or put it in their water and lo and behold I think they've been doing it all yeah yeah my friend you up all Bob today I was on the phone with him and he said I'd rather have a a cold bottle of beer in front of me instead of a frontal lobotomy. Yes, well, that, that's the thing. They've been doing it for years. And, and they actually dropped the IQ level for, for most of the countries on the planet a few points. We have a new IQ which is lower than the old one. Now, you're born with an IQ which tells us something's happened to bring down the standard of the IQ. And, and that's what Arthur Kessler said. He said, one of the symptoms of successful lobotomization will be when the individual is unconcerned about his own welfare, he will accept that he's been well taken care of by the state who will be making all his decisions for him. And we're seeing that today. People are not involved in their own life. Yep, you're, you're right on, Alan. Uh -huh. yeah. I, did you hear three years ago President Bush had a... Uh, something called the New Freedom Commission on Mental Health Initiative where he wanted to screen the entire U.S. population for mental illness. Yes, that's right. And, and you do remember, too, that, that under B.F. Skinner, uh, again, another front man for a big movement to do with uh, scientific dictatorships and the right of this elite to scientifically control the brain of everybody, um, he also talked about that, that same thing. Um, this is not a new idea. These guys have planned this for a long, long time, where they'll create a society where everyone is either programmed by them, um, or through machines or mechanical means, or even through a chip, uh, to, which will literally make us into almost zombies. You know? That's what they'll accomplish if they have a, a staged bird flu outbreak here in the U.S. They'll activate the Model State Emergency yeah. Health Powers Act, which has already been passed in 44 states here in our country. Yeah. Then they'll have their justification for forced vaccinations to put these chips in us. That, that's definitely coming. I mean, uh, <clears throat> even before 9-11, uh, there was a program on here again, Wendy Mesley show, CBC, to do with uh, the ID card coming. And this was in the, in the late 90s. And when she talked to one of the big boys at, uh, at the card manufacturing company, she, she says, "What do you make? What makes you think the public will accept this?" And he just turns to the camera and he says, "They'll be given no choice." If you go to Chris Gerner's website, um, AmericanExpose.com, he's got a section you can click on called Biometric Consort Consortium. He said it's our, the the, uh, the biometric thing's already been implemented. It just hasn't been enforced yet. It, it has been implemented. And I noticed uh, on, there was a website um, recently, uh, one of the big boys, uh, for some upgrade. That's, what it's, that's a very high-speed type upgrade. Uh, and of course it's for Bell but, um, internet the simpatico uh, now what they want is your usual credit card number but you must also have a valid ID photograph to go with it so the companies the private companies are already using their own techniques to get the public to comply with the upcoming card by voluntarily giving them photographs yeah, it's all pre-planned. Yeah. about it. The public are trained, you see. You train them just like you train animals. 
a bit at a time. Now, the, f- the first time, I, I generally never went into the big grocery stores. And I went into the Zares one, which apparently belonged to the Rothschild Group uh, here in Canada. And um, uh, it was the first time I'd seen people using their, their, their debit cards. And I watched one person after another swipe it through the past the, the machine. And I, and I looked at the action. The whole action was one of swiping your hand past the machine. That's what they're training them to do. <laughs> so the card was almost incidental to training them for the next step. They're already swiping their hand past the machine. Yeah, and who put out that famous quote um, where if you lie to the people long enough, they'll, they'll believe anything? Oh, yeah. And, and isn't it true, though? Isn't it true? Repetition is important. Yeah, who, who put out that quote? Oh, well, I know that uh, uh, so many have used it. Global's used it. Uh, I know that um, Ignatius Loyola used it as well. Uh, and people down even further back into ancient times used it. See, these are all known sciences, all of them. Yeah, a lot of it's all new to me, but I'm the host of the light of day. Yeah. <laughs> i got to awaken the vast herds of people out there. Well, we've trained. Uh, I mean, I used to look at the experiments they did in laboratories with even rats. Now, you think a natural rat, a natural rat, if you put a whole bunch of seed next to him, he'd just go for the seed and fill himself up. A whole bunch of what? Seed, you know. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, he'd just go to it and stuff himself full. But they can train the rat to pull a lever instead. And, and, a, and a seed will come down a little tube, one at a time. And he's quite happy. After a while, the pile of seed could be next to him, and he'll ignore it. He'll pull the lever you know, and get one at a time. And that's how we are. We've been trained to go for money. That, yeah. It's the same thing. Money is a means to an end. It's not for our end. It's a means to the end of a system which has been used for thousands of years by the big boys. It's just a form of seat, you know. Yeah. Well, Alan, we're up against hours. We should give a plug for your website and your books and CDs and that. Um, mm-hmm. The website, folks, is cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and through is T-H-R-O-U-G-H, um, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and uh, you got three books, to, uh, Alan, right? Yeah, cutting through one, two, and three. And you have a CD out that has all of your original shows from the, the first twelve and from ninety-eight. And uh, I've also got another one out with. Uh, you can also get the books on CD as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was trying to get them from Jackie um, via cassette tape, but I guess she, uh-huh. she never did it. So. Yeah, I've, I've got them here. I could send you. Yeah. Oh, oh, I would love those. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of this stuff we went through on the shows incidentally uh, before it even happened. Yeah. Well, anything, any parting shots? Uh, I think it's up to the individual to make themselves as conscious as possible and aware as possible. And not to panic, mind you, because this is just one part of the stages of the game here. It's not just happening in our lifetime. It's been leading up to this and beyond this for a long, long time. And we've got to hang on to our sanity as we go through it all. Yeah, you'd be surprised, folks. Uh, one one person can make a difference. And with me doing this show, I'm, word's already getting out about things. So mm-hmm. let's see you do your part out there. Yeah, everybody has to. Absolutely. That's right, because um, you can't complain if you haven't participated. Yes. And at least if you try, you, you know, you've done all you can, then you have a clean conscience. Yeah. 
Well, Alan, it's been a spectacular interview tonight. Um, I'll bring you back sometime if you want to come back on. Sure, I will, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, Alan, uh, nice talking to you. It's been a pleasure. Have a good night. Bye now. Bye.